calling all aspiring investment professionals. Get a leg up on the competition. Final registration for the August CFA exam ends on May 14th. Register now to secure your spot. The CFA designation is a gold standard in the investment world, opening doors to high-powered careers and impressive salaries. Head over to cfainstitute.org to register. Don't wait. Take control of your finance career today. Hello and welcome, everyone. I'm Lauren Foster, and this is Take 15. Today's conversation is on a topic that we all can relate to. It's chronic stress and what to do about it. And I'm delighted to have Dr. Mitu Steroni as my guest today. Mitu is an eye surgeon, a researcher, and an author who is interested in chronic stress and its implications on mental well-being, decision-making, performance, and brain health. Her book, Stress Proof, The Scientific Solution to Protect Your Brain and Body and Be More Resilient Every Day, is not your typical self-help book. It's a rigorously researched book on stress management that's based on more than 500 studies. Welcome, Mitu. Thank you so much for being here today. So just this morning, I was uh, seeing an article that was published on CNBC, and it was all about how stress brain, they called it, can lead to bad financial decisions. And they quoted a figure that I found quite astounding. And it was according to the Global Organization of Stress that 75% of US adult population is living with chronic stress. And I found that really shocking. So my first question is, why is the brain so chronically stressed? I think we have to look at the context of stress today and the way we live our lives today. Um, and stress was not a word that was very prevalent um, 20, 30 years ago. And today, as by the statistic you quoted, um, we know that stress is ubiquitous, especially within the developed world, but it's not just actually limited to the developed world. And it seems more and more that the reason why there's been this extraordinary um, recognition that stress is so ubiquitous, affecting brain performance, affecting function, um, and affecting decision-making, um, but it is ubiquitous because our lives today are so different to how they were 10, 20, 30 years ago. And many of the facets of our lives that have allowed us to function as we're doing today with um, better communication, with easier globalization, with access to people and resources across the globe very quickly, those elements are also responsible for changing aspects of our environment that the brain depends on to release its stress load or to relieve itself of um, this stress burden. So these usual habits and these resources and these cues in the environment that the brain was always dependent on are suddenly not there. And, you know, I love um, the idea that, you know, evolution or survival is not dependent really on the fittest in terms of strength or in terms of intelligence, but it's, it depends on the, the way we're able to adapt to change. And here you see the problem. Our world is changing. 
the anchors the brain has always used are changing and we are not adapting to those fast enough. So are we more stressed than previous generations? It sounds like we are. Or is it also a question that we're now more just aware of stress? I think it's a matter of both. Um, it's certainly true that we are likely to be more stressed today than we were before, really because of the, fa the facts I just mentioned. Um, the, the fact that the environment is changing, the fact that so many um, stress buffers in our environment are no longer there. All of these are going to be contributing to the stress load overall. But on the other hand, you're right, we are also able to now measure, quantify um, stress in a way that is universally recognized and recognizable. So we're able to also spot stress where in the past it was just an abstract concept. So can you talk a little bit about uh, why stress is such a problem? Because obviously there are some situations where becoming stressed uh, can save your life. So when is it a bad thing to become stressed and, and why is that an issue? So stress has existed as long as we have and we have evolved with a mechanism to immediately trigger a series of processes that enhance our chances of survival should we encounter a threat. And these mechanisms are there to be, to be turned on for a short bout of time where they save our lives. But if they stay turned on for longer, that's when they start doing harm rather than good. And they all interact, they all reinforce each other, they all feed back into each other. And the brain is at the epicenter of the entire process because not only is the brain the source, the seat of the entire response, but the brain is also affected by these responses if they're not turned off. So as an example, um, one of the ways in which we recognize chronic stress is through uh, by testing for certain hormones and markers in the blood. And we now know that they operate on a feedback chain and the feedback chain involves the brain and involves regions of the brain which are very vulnerable to um, damage of many kinds. And these areas of the brain suffer damage from chronic stress. And we're now seeing for the first time in history that chronic stress is causally related to thinning in parts of the human brain, which was an unthinkable concept a few years ago. And coming back to your point about how it affects decision-making, you see the connection right there. So we're here at the European Investment Conference, so let's bring this now to the focus on, on investors. And in one of our earlier conversations, you said something that I found really fascinating, and that had to do with the fact that I think a third of the brain function goes towards processing vision and there's a connection between vision and AI. Um, so tell us uh, why stress is a problem for investors today and how that relates to AI. So the world is changing, as we know, and within the financial world, AI is a very hot topic. It's making the financial world easier in some ways, but it's also making it challenging for those of us who think, well, what does the future hold? And what's very interesting is that the stage of AI at the moment um, is such that there is no doubt that 
when it comes to making predictions based on data, AI will win. But there we have to see where is the difference between the human and the machine. And of course, a prediction does not equal a decision. A prediction plus judgment equals a decision. And this talent for judgment is rooted in the very part of the brain that suffers the most with chronic stress. So as AI becomes ubiquitous and prediction becomes easier and simpler and more efficient, the value of judgment becomes higher, becomes greater. And so especially above all within financial decision making, so in order to have the edge in the future, judgment is where the value lies and hence that part of the brain needs protecting more than ever. In your book, you lay out seven routes to becoming stress-proof. Can you just very briefly walk us through those seven steps? Or routes? Certainly. So the moment you're acutely stressed, whether because you're running away from a lion or whether you're encountering your boss at work, you have seven, at least seven processes that kick off within your system. Temporarily, they do you good. And very quickly, you're starting from, say, the top down. Um, we're all aware that emotionally, we change the moment we're stressed, we become more emotionally reactive. We have less kind of prefrontal executive control over our actions. Number two is we have a cascade of hormonal reactions, which has started. Number three is um, the moment you become stressed, you become inflamed. And in parallel with that, number four is you also become insulin resistant. So at that moment, your brain decides. Your brain is really king. Our legs serve our brains in a sense. So um, at that moment, your brain decides, has a mechanism to say, okay, all other parts of the body, you're denied access to blood sugar. The sugar belongs to me. So for that moment, you become insulin resistant. So you have insulin resistance. You also have, um, for that instantaneous moment, you have a surge in motivation, which is an evolutionary mechanism, because if you're running away from a lion, you don't want to take a nap. You want to keep running, even if you're tired. Um, and then there's also the clock mechanism, which is we now know um, that the body clock plays an enormous role in brain function, in, in, in our health in general. And the moment you become acutely stressed, the body clock suddenly becomes more vulnerable to readjustment. So you have this whole wealth of you know, processes kicking off, but the moment the stress is over, they're supposed to stop. But what happens in chronic stress, what's happening today, is because our brain is no longer getting the cues that it has always used to think that there is no threat there, or that any threat that was there has now passed, these processes stay turned on. And by staying turned on, anything that's good for us in large amounts becomes harmful. So they essentially, many of them either go awry or as they are in high doses, they start causing harm. That's very interesting. You mentioned the body clock there briefly, and I'd love to hear a bit more about uh, the connection between darkness and melatonin and how that affects stress. So that's a very, um, very interesting and um, exciting area of research right now. So melatonin is a hormone that the brain releases at the end of the day. Um, its release is 
prompted by darkness and it's responsible for training. So we don't just have one clock in our body, we have thousands. And it's responsible for coordinating all the clocks together. It's like the master clock tuner in the body. Um, but what's interesting is um, we know that melatonin production is impeded by blue light and by bright light. But not just that, it's actually also impeded by excitement, by heat, by uh, exercise. So anything that makes you very alert and very excited impedes its release. So what happens is if you look at the lives we lead today, even if you're not partying at 11 o'clock, you are likely on your smartphone using, especially in the financial world, speaking to people at the other side of the world, making your conference calls, etc. And what, that ha what happens then is that your dose of melatonin is shortened. And what is fascinating is we now know that in addition to doing all of this, melatonin has got another huge range of effects, which include relieving anxiety. So um, in a way, melatonin was nature's dose of anxiety relief before we woke up and faced the next day. We're not getting that. And if you want to follow this through even further, we now also know that having less melatonin at night reduces the amount of sleep that we call REM sleep. And REM sleep is very important because it's when we forget, we unlearn fearful memories throughout the day. So if you're an investor with a very bad day and you want to wake up the next morning and you want to lose the bad memories of the day before, if you're not getting enough melatonin, your sleep quality is impaired and you are less likely to be resilient to your experience recently. It's a tough cycle, right? Because if you're stressed, you don't sleep enough and then it, it sort of builds a vicious cycle. Exactly, exactly. And you, you remember those negative memories even more, which means your threshold for becoming stressed by the same triggers. And hence, this will affect your decision making as well. You tend to be more risk averse, etc. So another really interesting area of research, at least for me personally, is the microbiome and the effect that the bacteria in the gut uh, have on stress. Um, can you just tell us very briefly uh, about the latest gut brain research? So yes, um, so very briefly, the, we know that there are billions of microbes inside us and we now know that people with different varieties of these um, bacteria, viruses and fungi, but really it's the bacteria studied the most, um, people with different varieties of these can appear to show different emotional reactions and different moods. Um, now, the research in this area is still quite early, but we now know, for instance, that giving people um, who are more prone to anxiety or who are more prone to negative moods additional bacteria in the form of probiotics or in the form of, um, so probiotics as pills or probiotics as food, can actually change the way they perceive the world around them. So they, it, it can actually change the emotional reactivity, it can improve their mood, it can calm levels of anxiety. And it's still a very um, nascent area of research, but it holds enormous promise because it tells us that by manipulating the gut, it may one day be possible to actually change your response to the markets one day when you're <laughs> deciding, <laughs> making your investment decisions. So That's it's really a fascinating. very powerful area. Um, we hear a lot today about resilience. In fact, it's even in your, your subtitle of your book. Can one actually foster or build resilience? 
So the way I, I love to see it is if you imagine the brain or imagine yourself as an elastic band and resilience is really defined when you stretch the elastic band and it snaps back. But if you stretch it beyond its point of elasticity, it loses its resilience. And it's a very good metaphor for the brain. And the idea of stress is that you don't have to change what you're doing. I think this is another misconception that people have. Um, we're not stressed necessarily because of the jobs we have. I mean, I know yoga instructors who are suffering from burnout from teaching yoga, for instance. So the, so the job doesn't necessarily have to cause you stress. So you can be in a very buzzing financial environment, for instance. But what's very interesting is your brain is very sensitive to cues that you are giving yourself during your entire workday. And the tiniest, smallest tweaks to these cues allow your brain to recover from the bouts of stretching throughout the day so that like the elastic band, it can snap back. And as long as it snaps back, it doesn't matter if you stretch it again the next day. And that's the essence of resilience. A final question is, I heard you say recently that you've completely changed the way you live your life since writing your book. Um, a very sort of briefly, any final recommendations for the viewers and listeners on how to lower that stress load and manage it? So I'd say in the financial world, um, my primary aim would be watch your light and your darkness exposure. So if you're doing calls in the evening, if you're working late, if you're speaking to people in the side of the world, use blue light blocking glasses. They are so easily available on Amazon. Um, they're not painful to wear. They don't cause any side effects as far as we know. Um, so wear them in the evening, watch your blue light, and, and also watch your bright light exposure. Get out there, get daylight. So manage your clocks. I'd say that's my number one most important area. And the others are really the ones I've detailed in my book. So watching things like your movement uh, exposure, um, changing how you eat, um, and also changing little facets of your environment. And these are all things that I have done and they are, I've experienced their positive effects. It's a fascinating and really relevant area of research. So thank you so much, Michi, for joining us. And thank you also to our viewers and listeners. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can now also find us at iHeartRadio in addition to iTunes and the CFA Institute member app. Please join us next time. Copyright 2019, all rights reserved. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.